0: Welcome to the Harshman Travel Radio Show segment on Building Fortunes Radio, with your hosts Pamela and Ron Harshman and Peter Mingle. Make sure you check us out by clicking on the Harshman Travel Radio Show link on BuildingFortunesRadio.com. That's www.BuildingFortunesRadio.com. Pam and Ron's success as entrepreneurs has allowed them to pursue their passion in the travel industry. Listen to Harshman Travel Radio Show and learn about Pam and Ron as they discover the joy that comes from being part of the travel industry you might have a chance of working with them in their business ventures and your travel plan. So listen in and enjoy the journey. Now on to our Building Fortunes radio show with Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Mingle. Let's get started, Peter.
1: Hello, everyone. Peter Mingles here. You're listening to us on Building Fortunes Radio. It's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. It's Friday night. It's 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time for those people that are used to us. At 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we do a radio show with Harshman Travel. If you go to harshmantravel.com, you'll be able to see the cool website that Pam put together. But the way this whole thing got started for those people that might be new in the new year... Um, Pam Harshman was a customer of ours on the PM marketing side many, many years ago. And when we first got started with Building Fortunes Radio, I knew that I needed to have some really great guest hosts. And home-based businesses, entrepreneurialism, if you will, was always something that we, we were pushing and promoting. And it was kind of like our niche. And when I asked Pam if she wanted to take over a radio show, she said, you know, I don't think we're going to be doing that same traditional MLM or network marketing or affiliate marketing stuff. We're going to be moving in the general direction of becoming travel agents. And I said, ha, huh, that's really, sounds really good for you, but it kind of throws me off <laughs> when I said, you know, I was looking, and I said, wait a minute. So I kind of had to regroup for a little bit, and I said, if, um, good, if you guys are going to be doing travel, I know that you bring your head with you wherever you go, you're going to, actually be a great travel agent and for those people in home-based businesses you know travel is always on your bucket list it's always on your wish list most people want to do more of it so it would be great if we had a building fortunes radio official travel agency and that's what we did so if you go to building fortunes com forward slash harshman or harshman travel you'll be able to hear the previous radio shows but because you might be new um, you might not know who they are so I want to share my level of enthusiasm with you, they're going to share with you a little bit about their backgrounds and then we'll do a commercial break. And then Ron's going to have as much time as he wants or needs to be able to talk about the cool stuff that's happening in the uh, travel arena. And there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. So, if you're one of those people that are saying, you know what, I think this is a year and a lot of people have figured it out, they're like, listen, I can't take the money with me. Inflation is driving me crazy. I need to get away. Whatever your excuse might be, you probably want to travel more. Check them out on Horseman Travels. So like I said, we'll do intros first, ladies first. Pam, thanks for being here on your own radio show.
2: Hi, Peter. Thanks for having us again. It's always a pleasure. You're welcome. Uh, with about my background is I started my working years as a 911 operator up in the Pacific Northwest, and slowly worked myself up into court administration. Absolutely loved my jobs as I was working up the ladder there, and uh, it was just my ideal job at the at that time. But then I met my husband, and unfortunately, he lived all the way kitty-cornered down in Florida. So uh, needless to say, I went down to Florida and did not want to start at the bottom of the ladder. So I was looking for something that I could do uh, primarily being much more independent and hopefully working from home. I ended up getting my realtor's license followed by my broker's license, and I sold real estate in South Florida for several years, and it just uh, was not my niche, so I went back and got my life and health insurance license and sold Medicare supplements to the senior population. Well, I tell you what. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I never knew what each day was going to bring. I had my appointments, but when I'd show up, uh, when I thought I was going to be with one person or a couple, I would have a full ladies' tea party going on or uh, some bunco group that they were going to start bunco after we were done or, you know, a couple couples. It was always a surprise for me, but I took a lot of satisfaction in doing that job only because, um, and it applies to myself now that I'm in that senior population, um, once we get to that age, what we choose to do with our health care is probably, in my opinion, one of the most important decisions you're going to make when you do hit that age. Uh, So it was really satisfying for me to be able to answer questions and really give them what, uh, what they needed as far as answers, because it, uh, the whole medical system was kind of hard to maneuver. So I absolutely loved it, um, and at the same time, I kept getting these little carrots dangling in front of my eyes on my Facebook news feed. And uh, it was all the MLMs and home-based businesses, and I did try a few of them. I had a couple losers, but I had some really good winners and learned an awful lot about marketing and uh, building the website. And it was just a very good experience. And as you mentioned earlier, that's where we met was I was a customer of yours, and we just kind of headed off, and we've been great friends ever since. But uh, um ended up one day when I was out on my travels, I had a girlfriend that gave me a call and out of the clear blue asked me if I had ever thought about becoming a travel agent, you know, both Ron and I. And it threw me aback because it had not even been a week since Ron and I were sitting down, chit-chatting and uh, comparing bucket lists and where do you want to go? Well, where do you want to go? What did we have in common? What should we do first? We were basically empty nester baby boomers, and we had some disposable income. And for both of us, our schedule was kind of our own, so we were pretty flexible there. So we had started planning what uh, we were going to do travel-wise. So when she brought that up, I was absolutely floored. I could not wait to get home and talk to Ron. And once we did sit down and discuss it and make up our pros and cons list and do some research on the Internet, we decided to move forward, and we jumped in both feet and got all the education that we could get our hands on and then all the proper licensures. And in the long run, we've probably done a whole lot more travel than we normally would have, and at the same time, we've helped a lot of people stretch their travel dollars. That was until that C word, COVID hit, and that put a screeching halt to all travel worldwide. So we are back, and we're back stronger than ever, and uh, we're...
1: Please just punch about it. Excellent. Okay, good. And then, Ron, over to you.
3: All righty, Peter. Good to be here. And it's amazing that we're in 2024. But uh, I was writing some checks today and had to really say to myself, 2023? No, 2024. So, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, My background is very different from uh, Pam's. I uh, spent many, many years as a uh, licensed clinical psychologist uh, very heavily involved, all obviously in my own clinical practice and doing clinical work. But in addition to that, I decided to really get uh, submerged in the whole self-regulatory aspect of the profession. When I first started out, a very good friend of mine, a mentor, uh, told me that she thought I should really look at getting involved. Uh, in the Provincial Association of Psychologists, and uh, she felt I had a lot to contribute, but that I could also learn a lot and uh, that it would be a very good uh, mix for me uh, to get involved in that arena. And I was very happy to follow her advice. I did get involved in the Provincial Association, uh, was elected to the Board of Directors, sat on uh, ethics uh, committees, etc. And uh, fairly soon after uh, getting heavily involved uh, at that end, uh, I also uh, chose to get involved in the uh, uh, National Association, the Canadian Psychological Association, and that proved to, again, be uh, very rewarding, very enlightening. Um, I was uh, fortunate to be elected as the chair of the applied division of that association, and again sat on several ethics uh, committees, professional affairs committees, uh, government interrelation uh, committees, etc., and was also uh, appointed to represent the Canadian Association with the Sisters Association here in the States, the American Psychological Association, and uh, was involved for, for many years and uh, really was surprised to see uh, what uh, most professionals, regardless of the profession, are totally unaware of in terms of the whole legal and uh, regulatory aspect of their profession, and whether somebody is, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or a dentist or, you know, any uh, of the professions, most professionals get their uh, training and their licensing, et cetera. They join their uh, professional association and uh, perhaps attend uh, an annual convention or whatever, but are totally unaware of all the workings that go on behind the scenes uh, in terms of uh, the self-regulatory aspect uh, for sure. Uh, You know, having to deal with those uh, individuals who get involved in uh, behaviors and actions that uh, could be criminal but are definitely unprofessional and having to deal with uh, ethics uh, boards and committees and uh, hearings and, uh, you know, taking licenses away from people, et cetera. Most professionals, regardless of the profession, are just totally unaware of all that going on. So it really added to my professional life uh, for many, many years And uh, at the end of my career, I was very, very fortunate to be elected as a uh, lifetime honorary fellow of the Canadian Psychological Association. So I was uh, very pleased to be able to contribute and uh, very honored to uh, get some of the uh, respect and the uh, thanks from the uh, profession. But uh, also it really uh, helped me to uh, have a very well-rounded professional career. In my training, both undergraduate and graduate, I was very fortunate to have a number of professors who really stressed the point that if we were considering going into private practice, before we ever thought of doing that, it would be very, very important to gain experience working with as many different clinical populations as we could and really getting very well-rounded uh, and well-grounded uh, clinical experience because they made the very solid point that when you go into private practice, uh, you know, you hang out your shingle, you put your ad in the yellow pages or whatever, but you have no control over who's going to call and make an appointment to come and see you And uh, if you are totally unaware and, you know, inexperienced with the problems that that person is facing, the life situation that they're dealing with, um, you've never been involved, you've never gotten any training in that arena, you can very easily become uh, much more harmful uh, and do a lot more harm than good. And I really took that uh, advice to, to heart and made the decision uh, b- before I even uh, thought of uh, going into private practice, even as an undergrad, starting to uh, get uh, positions working for pretty much every one of the social service delivery systems. So I uh, was involved in corrections, both institutional and community-based, uh, drug and alcohol programs, worker comp, uh, setups, uh, child uh, uh, treatment centers, psychiatric facilities, etc. and really uh, took the time and made the effort to gain as much clinical experience as I could before I even looked at uh, private practice. When I did get into private practice, uh, after a relatively short period of time, I found myself really uh, specializing in working with uh, young families uh, doing a lot of premarital counseling, a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of sexual therapy, uh, a lot of work with young kids and with learning disabilities, etc. And unfortunately, uh, what turned out to be a major part of working with that population was the involvement in child custody cases when we had pretty immature um, couples going through divorce and uh, without a lot of uh, insight into what they were doing, they uh, were seeing their children as the last battleground where they thought they could do something harmful to their about-to-be ex-spouse. And that was male and female. I mean, we saw it on both sides. And as a result of that, I ended up being called as an expert in many of the legal uh, cases dealing with the question of uh, both custody and access. And uh, it was very fortuitous because when I did get involved in that whole arena, uh, there was pretty much a uh, preset uh, arrangement and attitude in the courts, both in Canada and here in the States, uh, that when you had a young couple going through divorce and there were young children involved and there was a dispute over custody, in almost all cases, the courts would give custody to mommy and uh, access, visitation to daddy. And although that was a okay thing in in many many cases, we started seeing too many cases where it was not only a uh, not a good situation, but it was a very negative and uh, unfortunately uh, destructive uh, situation in many cases. And as a result of that we saw a turnaround in the court system where the uh, justices uh, got to the point of saying that going forward, any decisions made with respect to custody and access had to be based on the psychological best interests of the children involved. And that was a very sane and a very uh, important decision. Uh, unfortunately, though, though the decision was a good one, Uh, At the time, there was not really an established way of uh, being able to get the psychological best interests of the children uh, represented in the court system. Uh, We had uh, professionals, psychologists, uh, clinical social workers going in, uh, in most cases, as a hired gun for the attorney representing either the husband or the wife, and uh, although that – was better than nothing, it certainly was not ideal. And I was very fortunate because at the time that I did start getting involved in that arena, I was able to work with a number of other uh, professionals, both uh, clinical psychologists and clinical social workers, uh, in putting together a standardized way to really evaluate the situation, determine the psychological best interest of the children, and uh, present that in court, not as a hired gun for one party or the other, but really as a representative of the court and uh, obviously an unbiased uh, uh, person ready to go in and give information about the psychological best interest and also be able to uh, deal with the ordeal of being a uh, witness in court where obviously one lawyer thinks you are great because you're representing custody for his or her client and the other attorney has the uh, professional responsibility of trying to tear you apart and uh, call you uh you know uh, incompetent and unable to uh, come up with uh good recommendations and uh just the experience of doing that over and over again is a uh, is something that many of the uh, my colleagues uh refused to do, but we uh, we had a number of uh, people who were very concerned and very committed and uh, we did establish a very good uh, landmark of how to do that. And as uh, things turned out, uh, I was up in Canada at that time and was one of the first psychologists to be uh, approved and recognized by the Supreme Court as a uh, qualified uh, expert in the area of child custody and access. Uh, I was also... Uh, able to uh, move down to Florida and work with a forensic psychiatrist uh, in the uh, South Florida area who wanted uh, me to move down and uh, work with him, but to introduce the whole concept in the South Florida courts. And I found that uh, invitation very inviting and uh, did come down and ended up being the uh, first uh, professional uh, to Uh, be approved as an expert in child custody and access uh, in both the Dade and Broward County uh, courts in South Florida. So it was a very rewarding experience, very, very heavy experience, but I really felt good about uh, being there and doing what I was doing, and that worked out uh, very, very well for me. Um, When Pam and I got together, we hadn't been together that long when we decided to move from Southeast Florida over to Southwest Florida, we started raising alpacas. Pam, as uh, both of you were talking, uh, got involved in the um, home-based business, multi-level marketing arena. And although I wasn't involved in it, I was fully supportive of her doing it. But when she came home and uh, said that she really wanted us to talk about the possibility of becoming professional travel consultants, that was something that just grabbed both of us. From my perspective, I saw it as an opportunity to really do exactly what I'd been doing in my clinical practice all those years, working with people, helping them look at alternatives and make decisions that would uh, affect their lives one way or the other. But in clinical practice, I was always dealing with people who were struggling in situations of uh, kids being arrested or uh, somebody getting involved in uh, alcohol or or drug treatment or going through divorce or whatever, as a travel consultant, uh, we would be doing the same thing, helping people uh, turn on lights, hold up mirrors, uh, but we would be dealing with very happy situations, uh, people planning uh, weddings or honeymoons or retirement parties or uh, multi-generational family vacations, etc., So we talked about it. We uh, certainly decided that if we were gonna do it, we would do it the right way. We would get the licensing and uh, training and all that. But we also made the decision that we would work very hard at finding those travel vendors with whom we could work and who we could support and recommend because they had the same uh, commitment to help their clients uh, get the most out of their travel time and and funds. So we did that and we were very, very happy to uh, connect with a a number of the uh, cruise uh, companies and as Pam indicated, um, it's very true that we have done a lot more traveling than we ever would have had we not gotten into that uh, arena. In any event, as usual, starting off the new year, I've uh, become uh, very (laughs) verbose, so I will shut up and we can have our break.
1: Totally okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back, and Ron's going to give us good news. You can take as much time as we want on the other side. We'll be right there.
0: You've been listening to the Harshman Travel Radio Show on Building Fortunes Radio with your hosts Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Meagle. This special segment can be heard again with almost any device connected to the Internet by going to buildingfortunesradio.com. That's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. Listen in often and get to know Pam and Ron. Go to the buildingfortunesradio.com website to listen in to the show. No matter where you're at in life, you can benefit by listening to and by working with Pam and Ron. Let them book your next cruise, vacation getaway, or group event. Listen to Harshman Travel Radio and witness their ability to pursue their dreams in the field they love. Thanks for listening. And now, back to the Harshman Travel Radio Show.
1: And we are back. Peter Mingles here with Pam, and Ron Harshman is going to actually go over the good news that's happening in the travel industry. And, Ron, you can take as much time as you want. All righty.
3: We've got some really exciting uh, announcements to make this week, a lot of uh, things going on that really cement the uh, vision that uh, you and I were kind of hoping for and semi-predicting during the uh, COVID fiasco. Um, As I've said before, and I won't get heavily into the whole um, political aspect, but I I really did uh, feel very definitely that the uh, American government, the U.S. government uh, with COVID was uh, doing the best they could to cripple the travel industry and for some reason in particular the cruise industry. And I was very uh, convinced that that was happening and that was real. And uh, during that time, uh, during the radio shows during that time, uh, Peter, as you recall, we spent a good deal of time talking about the um, the fact that all of the major cruise companies uh, were doing the best that they could, they were going along with Uh, the crazy rules and regulations and stuff that was going on, but they were also committed to surviving and putting in lots of money to uh, update the ships and do some things that uh, obviously would help to control uh, health issues like COVID, Uh, but at the same time, making commitments for the future and uh, taking the stand that regardless of the efforts of the uh, U.S. uh, government, uh, they would survive and come back bigger and stronger than ever before. And I'm very, very pleased to be able to report uh, pretty much weekly on things that are going on that are really uh, proving that that prognostication uh, was not only wishful thinking, but it was, in fact, uh, very accurate and solidly based. This week is no exception to that. Uh, To start off with, some general things happening in the uh, cruise industry. Uh, The uh, report came out, uh, the the annual report of the cruise industry came out, saying that a total of 30,250 new berths are being added to the cruise market in 2024. And uh they pointed out that these new builds will debut for several brands, Royal Canadian or Royal Caribbean International, TUI Cruises, which is one of the um uh Carnival uh subsidiaries, uh Cunard, Princess Cruises another one of the um, di- or the uh car- Carnival uh subsidiaries. Disney Cruise Line, Explorer Journeys, TUI Cruises, uh, Rich Carlton Yacht Collection. And uh, they say that with two large ships slated to enter service during the year, Royal Caribbean International will see the biggest increase in capacity. In addition to the 5,610 guest icon of the seas, which just got into Miami, um, the company is also in, uh, introducing, I'm sorry, a uh, 5,714 guest Utopia of the Seas in July. So wow. Royal Caribbean, without uh, question, uh, will have, does have, the largest um, cruise ships uh, on the seas, and uh, they are committed to go uh, in that direction. Uh, Princess Cruises, one of the uh, Carnival subsidiaries, is also adding a significant number of birds with the uh, debut of the Sun Princess. Um, And uh, they are uh, introducing a new ship class, and this 4,300 guest vessel will be the largest ever built for uh, Princess. Uh, Other brands Adding births in the new year include uh, Virgin Voyages with a 2,770 guest, Brilliant Lady, Silver Sea Cruises, 728 guest, Silver Ray, and Viking with a 988 guest, Viking Veya. And among the shipyards, the number of shipyards that are involved, Fincantieri leads the way in 2024 with a total of five ships, Mayor Werft and Chesapeake and Chaunceyars de l'Antique come next with two new vessels each, and Meyer Turku and uh, Split plan to deliver one ship each. Uh, American Cruise Lines, we've talked about this before, is welcoming two new ships in uh, 2024, and they are under construction here in Maryland at uh, Chesapeake uh, Shipyard and they will each carry 109 guests. So you can see the diversity. We've got ships being built with uh, 109 guest capacity, and you've got, uh, you know, a 5,714 guest ship on the other uh, end of the extreme uh, and everywhere in between. So these 2024 new beds... Uh, with an average of 2,218 guests are coming in at a cost of over $7 billion. So talk about the industry coming back uh, stronger and better than ever before. Uh, I'm just very, very pleased to uh, be able to report uh, in that direction and on those things. A number of other main... uh, Uh, Announcements uh, for the end of 23, beginning of 24, Uh, Nassau cruise port ended 2023 with a record-breaking year. They welcomed 4,490,802 passengers aboard 1,210 ships during the year, and that figure represents a 14% increase compared to the previous record set in 2019. Uh, the port was reporting several record-breaking achievements. Uh, in March, the port exceeded its one-day passenger record by welcoming 28,554 visitors. Um, in December, they surpassed that and had 29,316 uh, visitors. So they uh, exceeded their annual uh, passenger target of 4.2 million guests and uh, set a new record of almost 4.5 million. So when you see the different ports, and we've talked about this many times, um, when you look at the cruise industry, it's not only focusing on having an effect uh, on the obviously the company, its employees, the passengers, et cetera, they also are maintaining significant involvement in the ports of call and those uh, areas and all of the people and the economy of those areas. And it's just uh, nice to see uh, how broad uh, spread, the impact is of the cruise industry and seeing it come back uh, stronger and better than ever is just very, very, very rewarding. Uh, The icon of the seas uh, did arrive in Miami. Its inaugural uh, voyage will be going out on January the 27th, and that maiden voyage will be a seven-night Eastern Caribbean and perfect day sailing includes visits to Basseterre, St. Kitts, St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as the line's uh, private island destination, uh, Coco Cay in the Bahamas. And following its maiden sailing, the ICON will operate week-long Caribbean voyages, sailing round-trip from Miami, and uh, those destinations include Costa Maya. Cozumel in Mexico, Philipsburg St. Martin and Roatan Honduras. So again a big big ship with all kinds of new programmings and uh, new kinds of activities uh, on the ship um, and new itineraries and it's just uh, very very nice to uh, to see. Um, some other uh, major uh, improvements and, and growth reports. Obviously Royal Caribbean Group has the uh, largest ships. Uh, their uh, new, board, new builds are really going to uh, add not only um, berths, but uh, different itineraries and ports of call. Um, so that's really uh, a major thing. Celebrity Cruises, which is one of their subsidiaries, is uh, introducing several deployment developments in 2024, including a year-round program in Europe. So again, increase and expansion in terms of itineraries, in terms of ports of call. Uh, Royal Caribbean Group, as we've talked about before, is returning to China and to Asia in 2024, so again, uh, we are really seeing uh, a, a major, major expansion and commitment to improve uh, throughout the, uh, the industry. Um, Celebrity Cruises, a subsidiary of the uh, Royal Caribbean uh, Group, is really focusing on giving their passengers what they are asking for and uh, they have a whole uh, system set up to generate uh, programs destinations etc based on the um, reports back that they get from uh, their passengers and uh, the president of celebrity cruises made the announcement that cut uh, their customers come to them for five different things, service first and foremost, accommodations, destinations, and uh, great culinary as well as entertainment. And uh, they are really looking to uh, improve and to expand. They are uh, adding to their 2024 itineraries with 50 different calls um, on their uh, private island, Coco Cay. Uh, Norwegian is moving in the direction of uh, coming uh, with a new commitment to uh, solo passengers. They are uh, going to be introducing, um, I think the number, if I remember correctly, yeah, it's about a thousand solo staterooms, which is major, major uh, change for the cruise industry. Uh, Up until the present time, um, the cruise industry has looked at, from an income perspective, uh, a cabin is a cabin and is uh, designed for a a two-person holding, and they are looking for the fare of two passengers. So when they've had solo passengers, they've allowed it and they've somewhat encouraged it. But there has always been, for the most part, with very few exceptions, the add-on fare that would it would be 150%, 170%, wouldn't be 200% for most of the cases, but there would be, uh, you know, the uh, idea of a solo passenger, uh, they would have an increase to the price being charged in addition to that the uh, number of cabins where they would allow uh, so low occupation were for the most part inside cabins which uh, you know are the lowest price cabins on the ship. Uh, Norwegian is going ahead uh, with a like I said a thousand new uh, staterooms and for the first time, They will have three different categories. There will be solo inside, solo ocean view, and solo balcony. So people, um, you know, would be able to travel solo. And they are aiming to uh, keep the price differential down and to give solo uh, passengers um, a, a much bigger choice in terms of the type of stateroom that they would uh, be able to, uh, to uh, book for. Um, number of world cruises, this is something that is really, uh, in my estimation and my experience, I'm finding a significant increase in the number of the uh, long, long uh, sailings that are going on. Uh, Holland America's Asia cruise season will explore over 50 ports acro- uh, across 11 countries from September 25 through April 26, and uh, they will be um, a strong focus on Japan with 24 different ports of call, as well as visits to Cambodia, China, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore south korea taiwan thailand and vietnam Uh, so we're again seeing a real expansion of um, the opportunities for people to experience uh, with a cruise vacation and uh, just a number of the highlights uh, of the 25 26 asia season They're visiting a total of 51 ports, including 24 in Japan, exploring more than 50 UNESCO World Heritage Sites, and they will have overnight calls in Shanghai, China, uh, Bangkok, Thailand, Manila, Hiroshima, uh, and Seoul. And uh, the North Pacific crossing will go between Seattle and uh, Yokohama. And uh, just the number of uh, opportunities that are out there, I know that a number of our listeners, uh, I'm sure, are are saying, wow, that's nice for the people who can afford it both time and money-wise, but it's something that I, I would certainly recommend people to realize that the cruise vacation is without any question. The best use of vacation dollars, there is no comparison to the value that one receives uh, taking a cruise uh, compared to any particularly uh, land-based vacation. Uh, There just is no no comparison, and I think that uh, people are realizing that, and more and more people are, uh, are really uh, working in the direction of planning uh, cruises to celebrate various uh, things going on in their lives. Uh, we're seeing a lot more multi-generational vacations being planned, a lot more retirement party vacations being planned, um, and uh, also certainly uh, anniversary and, uh, you know, renewal of vows, etc. We're just seeing a major, major increase in the kinds of things that people are looking for and uh, experiencing in their uh, vacation um, portfolios. So, again, I'm sure I've gone so far over in time, Peter, but I will try not to be so verbose next time in uh, introductions. But, again, I would uh, strongly suggest to anybody listening who is thinking of taking a cruise vacation um, either very soon or sometime out in the future, uh, give us a call. Let us know what you're looking for. Uh, and uh, we will do our best to come up with a number of uh, options available to you. And as I have stressed over and over again, uh, it is so easy to get great value for your vacation, take advantage of the specials that are going on with each one of the cruise lines, make a small deposit that is 100% refundable, Uh, as long as you say you need that refund before the final deposit date. And um, if you end up not being able to go, you've lost nothing. If you end up being able to go, uh, you've gotten a a lock-in on a tremendous vacation at a great price. So um, give us a call. All
1: great news. Um, For those people, if you go to buildingfortunesradiocom forward slash harshman or you go directly to HarshmanTravel.com, you'll be able to see this great news. And the one thing, Ron, you said a little bit earlier, cruising seems to be the best deal. I think it's separating itself from anything that might be second. I mean, there's just no even comparison. It's just distancing. It's just been amazing. It's it's really truly amazing, and the stuff that they're doing, um, as I've been obviously listening to these radio shows, is just phenomenal. Just crazy good. <laughs> So really we'll see the next week. Yep, thanks, everyone. Catch you next time. Have a good week, yeah, and again, uh, enjoy the
3: uh, 2024.
1: You've been
0: listening to the Harshman Travel Radio Show segment on Building Fortunes Radio with your hosts, Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Meagles. Be sure to check out the buildingfortunesradio.com website to hear previous radio shows with Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Meagles. Pam and Ron's success as entrepreneurs has allowed them to pursue their passion in the travel industry. Listen to Harshman Travel Radio Show and learn about Pam and Ron as they discover the joy that comes from being part of the travel industry. It's been our privilege to have you listen in. Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Mingles and I want to say thanks for listening and ask you to spread the word, tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world.